Hello and welcome to the Blue Collar Yields podcast. I am your host, Tom Migliaccio. At Blue Collar Yields, we will talk about real estate, entrepreneurialism, and many other topics. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts. And while there, don't forget to rate this show and subscribe. I'm very excited about our next guest, Mr. Ken Dunning. Ken is a former Philadelphia Eagles tight end. Ken was also a tight end for the Philadelphia Stars of the United States Football League, or the USFL. He dubbed the Stars the team that time forgot. Ken spent time as a college football analyst for ESPN as well as Fox. A quick Google of Ken and you will read that he is retired. While he may have retired from football, Ken is a managing general partner of New Opportunity Publishing. New Opportunity Publishing puts out Jersey Man and Philly Man magazine. The magazine is released quarterly, and readers can enjoy articles on a variety of local topics. On top of putting out a magazine every quarter, Dunnick and his family put on regular networking events. The group is called the Legacy Club, and the events are totally awesome to say the least. A little bit about my first time at an event. It was at a swanky country club. There were fine Italian sports cars on display at the front, and an Airstream that was retrofitted into a mobile cigar lounge, and that was all before I walked in. Once inside, I was pressing palms with South Jersey's most influential people, including legendary coach Dick Vermeil, all while I was enjoying fantastic food. In this episode, Ken and I talk about networking, his pre-event rituals, sleepless nights that Ken faced while starting a publishing business in the middle of the Great Recession, and working with his family. Ken's wife, Terry, owns a cookie company called Terry's Biscottis and assists Ken with the magazine and networking events. Ken, thanks for joining us today. This is the first time a professional athlete has been on the show. We're very excited to have you here. Tom, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. We really appreciate it. So my first question is, a lot of athletes struggle when they leave their sport. Can you discuss your transition from the NFL and the USFL to life after football? Well, that's a great opening question, and I can tell you that it was difficult. You know, you're used to a above-average lifestyle. You've pretty much got a lot of freedom. You're very proud of what you do for a living. And then you're, uh, when that fantasy land is over, you get tossed into the business world. And I can literally went from, you know, a couple of weeks before signing autographs to having the door slammed in my face as a salesman. And you know, it takes some getting used to. Luckily, I had a degree. I had some communication skills and was able to transition from football to business, primarily uh, using my competitive instincts. I tell people now that when I sign a contract with someone or I sell an ad, it's kind of like scoring a touchdown or scoring a basket. I get the same type of feeling that fire still burns. So one thing I've been successful at is kind of using that competitive spirit to carry over into the business world. That's awesome. So when was your first experience in the printing industry? Well, my dad was a printer, so I had general background knowledge of printing and paper and publishing. I used to work in his facility back in Chicago when I was in high school. And when it became evident that I needed to retire in 1987, I took a job with Roosevelt Paper Company. At that time, was owned by Irv Kozloff, who was the uh, past owner of the 76ers. And it just seemed like a natural transition because it was a sales job and I had some, I said, printing and paper background. So that was my entry into the business world after football. So you studied journalism in college, but when did you actually start writing? 
Well, the funny thing is, I really didn't have a whole lot of time to write. I was busy, you know, playing football and raising uh, four daughters uh, that, you know, we had all four by 1989 by the time I was 32. So I had to pretty much give up all my journalistic aspirations and try to make as much money as I could to feed a wife and four kids. But, you know, I did a lot of public speaking and people used to tell me all the time, you should write a book. And in 2008, my wife, Terry, was critically injured in a car accident and she was in the hospital for a couple months and I really didn't have anything to do at night. So I just went home and started writing these series of short stories about all the interesting people that I've met over my life. People like Dr. J and John Travolta and Mike Tyson and others and put together a manuscript and sent it off to about uh, seven publishing houses and one got back to me and said they accepted it and uh, the book was published and improbable journey was published in 2008 and that was really the start of the magazine too then where can people pick up copies of the book i think it's on amazon.com i know there's a limited printing edition i think there's uh, still a few copies floating around out there so after the book that's when you decided to start putting out the magazine well, what happened was the local reporter read the book and liked it, and then he actually approached me with the idea at first about starting a publishing company because it was a very difficult experience trying to get the book published, even though they accepted it. There's a lot of legalistics that go into publishing, and but then he had another idea. He liked the way that I wrote, and he had editorial experience, and he suggested starting a men's magazine, which was much more in favor, and it just seemed like a more interesting project at that time. So I had access to wholesale paper. I knew friends in the printing business. He had editorial experience, and we threw together New Opportunity Publishing, and Jersey Men was born in December of 2010. Interestingly, subsequently, when it came time to invest in the business, the guy who had the original idea, he backed out, and we replaced him with another investor. And so Jersey Man has hung on almost 10 years now. We're very proud of that. Yeah, I'm sure he really regrets that. But you said 2010. So you launched Jersey Man in the midst of the Great Recession when the publishing industry was really struggling. And as you know, that was a very courageous move. What made you confident that Jersey Man could survive and succeed like it has? That's another good question. You know, I just felt like it was an idea that had a chance and we didn't see anything Competitive-wise, there were no men's magazines in Philadelphia or South Jersey, so we thought we would be different. The bottom line with the business is even though we were strictly a magazine for the first three years, publishing every other month, which was really challenging, in the back of our mind, we wanted to create this business network where people could come and attend these private magazine parties that we were throwing and so Legacy Club was born about three years after the launch of Jersey Man and really a way for non-advertisers to attend the private monthly events that we're proud to have you a member of our Legacy Club. And you can see the crowds that we draw. We have a couple hundred people every month at different locations. It's an annual subscription fee that you pay in order to join Legacy Club and 300 plus members now. And that's the greatest income generator that we have as a business. From that, a spawn chairman's club, which is a five-figure investment, and that's a business-specific network that comes with the advertising package and dinners and infomercial breakfasts and a lot of referral business comes through chairman's club. And uh, that, along with our gala that we throw at the end of every year, those are other profit centers because we knew 
to make it in printing publishing we had to be more than just a magazine right you have to have multiple income streams so let's go back to the beginning and then i want to circle back to the legacy club but you and i have many friends in the banking industry given the nature of our business sometimes they don't typically have the greatest imagination and the economy was in dire strait during your launch how difficult was it to get the banks investors and other stakeholders interested in starting a publishing company well it was impossible i mean banks weren't loaning money on for business ideas anymore so we had to put up collateral i mean the partners that were involved the partner was pretty financially solvent but the other two partners myself included had to put up equity in their home in order to satisfy the banks and that's how we got the thing going and you know i didn't want to lose my investment it was a sizable investment and i worked very hard just talking to people telling them about this idea cutting deals you know showing people how we were different and you know, one by one, people just started to fall in line. And then, of course, the Legacy Club pretty much helped solidify us as a successful business. Yeah. So just like any business, I'd imagine in the beginning, there were some pretty difficult days. What advice do you have for other entrepreneurs who are in the startup phase that are facing that <clears throat> adversity? There were some uh, sleepless nights. I will not uh, say otherwise. My suggestion to anyone that's got an idea is, number one, you need to love it. And you need to work passionately at it. I'll tell you a story. Early on in the magazine, I had an 8 o'clock appointment with someone. I got to their office, and they didn't show up. The 10.30 appointment that uh, same day that uh, canceled five minutes before I was on my way. I had a lunch appointment that also canceled, and I couldn't wait to get to my 2 o'clock appointment. As I sit back and think about that, it was just the you know, belief I had in the project and my drive to make sure that it succeeded overcame any of the disappointment that I had with uh, people canceling appointments. So it was at that point I realized that it was a passion of mine and I had a good chance to be a success. So the takeaway from that is you just got to have thick skin and you got to celebrate the victories and move on from any defeats, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it needs to be a unique product or service. Number one, it's got to have a chance. I mean, you know, if a fly continues to fly into the window, the fly is going to die. If the fly figures out he can go out the screen door, the fly is going to survive. So, you know, you have to have something that is a marketable product or service. Or it's a good idea. You have to be passionately behind it. And you just have to talk to as many people as you can about it. And normally people hear the passion when you speak about something. They may not hear the words, but they hear the music that you're saying them with. And that, you know, if one thing, we've been sincere. We've been uh, sincere in our efforts to make people realize that they're going to get something out of doing business with us. And you're a relatively new Legacy Club member, but I can tell you that our staff works very hard to be able to give you the entree into many people that can help you and your business. And we have tools that back that up. So you have a unique product or idea, work passionately at it. And then eventually, you know, uh, what will happen will happen. And I do want to touch on something Ken just said. I am relatively new, but I've sent his daughters and his wife a text, and they answer an email any time of day or night. His wife, Terry, and I, she sent me an email after 9 o'clock the other night. I mean, that's just how committed to the work this family is. And my next question is, you kind of touched on this, so three daughters and then your wife, Terry, and together you run the magazine and the networking group. When did your family decide to go all in? 
Well, first, yeah, of course, Terry, you know, my wife wanted to, she had a business on the side, but she wanted to, of course, support me and help me. So she assists in some sales. And of course, you know, she provides some delicious baked goods for the breakfast that we have. And she does a series of other jobs for the company. My oldest daughter, Ashley, had a master's in education. And with the cutbacks in New Jersey education, she couldn't find a teaching job. So when I approached her with the offer to help me run Legacy Club, her response was, well, I don't like to sell. I mean, I'll help you. And we, we came to a dollar figure, but I really don't want to sell. And I said, well, you don't really have to sell. You just have to help administrate the club. So she would invite a lot of people to the events and I would sign them up and I would kind of half-heartedly show her my commission checks and say, well, it's a shame you don't want to sell because all these people would have been yours. <laughs> and her response was, well, that's not fair. And I said, well, all you have to do is learn how to fill out the paperwork. And now she sells quite a bit. So she's been a great help, uh, very passionate about the business. My other daughter, Jamie, handles our social media and assistant events coordinator. As you know, we put on uh, some pretty special events once a month that takes a lot of work and organization, and Jamie's instrumental in that. And then Alexandra, who is a cancer survivor, by the way, she writes the fitness column for the magazine and does some administrative work in the office. Then my fourth daughter, Taylor, and by the way, I should mention that Jamie, Alex, and Taylor are triplets. Oh, wow. Taylor is an OR nurse at uh, Jefferson Hospital in Philadelphia, so she helps out where she can. How humbling is it that people such as George Anastasia and D-Linem have reached out or they want their content to be part of your magazine? And how did these partnerships start with them? Yeah, it's incredibly humbling and satisfying for me. You know, early on, Stan Hockman of the Daily News, who was really the dean of Philadelphia sports writers, yeah. he got involved with us. And then Bill Lyon, who I, you know, was one of the most prolific sports writers the city has ever seen until... You know, he became ill here recently. He wrote for us. And then you, we've got George Anastasia, who's probably the preeminent mob author in the country, and Elinum, who had a nice run with Comcast covering the Sixers, and, you know, uh, Sam Carcitti, who's the Flyers beat writer for the Inquirer, and Harry Donahue, who hosts Inside Golf. All these, you know, prominent people uh, actually approached me and we had discussions about, you know, them contributing to the magazine, which is, you know, it's, I never anticipated it, but we're very happy about it. Yeah. And guys, if you love sports and the mob and George Anastasia is the top mob writer in the country, probably in the world, let's be honest, this definitely is the magazine for you. The last issue they had Philly's own B-Hop on it. And Ken, if I'm not mistaken, he's going to be at the September event. Is that correct? He's scheduled to be at our September event. We really don't promote the events publicly because they are private events. But uh, we always have, you know, celebrities. You've been to events where Dick Vermeil attended. And we've got a lot of the ex-Eagles who are still friends of mine. Ron Jaworski will show up from time to time. Harold Carmichael, Vince Papali, guys like that. So there, Brian Prop, the ex-Flyer, shows up all the time. So we do have a nice contribution from local celebrities that come to our events. And then can you tell our listeners what benefits the Legacy Club offers? The Legacy Club is really designed as a way for non-advertisers to attend these private monthly events. Again, we have 300 members, 300-plus businesses associated with the magazine. And we hold them at very nice locations about every four to six weeks. 
So to be invited, you have to know someone who's a member or be a client of ours. And we worked very hard at getting probably 20 to 40 new guests at every event because obviously the more people are involved, the greater the network becomes, the more value it is. And I think it's important that we you know, continue to change venues and introduce our members to new people. And of course, those new people can perhaps be new clients. So at Blue Collar Yields, we talk about the importance of networking. And at the Legacy Club, I've made probably the most important connections to date. From your perspective, just how important is networking in business? It's probably the single most important thing you can do, especially when you're starting a new business. I've said this in the past publicly. I think your success will be directly correlated with how many people you tell about it. Now, there's various ways that you can do that. Obviously, social media is a way for you to spread the word about your business. But for me, nothing can replicate the importance of having one-on-one conversations with people and then uh, looking them in the eye, finding out what they're all about, deciding whether you want to do business with them. And then once you do, keep in mind the power of networking is now their entire network is part of what you're doing because they have trust in you and they're going to expose you to the people that they know. So, yeah, I mean, our Legacy Club, we get so many great compliments from people that say that they get business and we have a high rate of renewal with our members and, you know, they bring their guests and their guests want to be involved. It's a very good environment we created here. That is true. And I was talking with Terry the other day and she listens to what you have to say And then she calculates real fast who she can get you in touch with. And it is really cool to see. And she helps convert. She'll send an email. She'll make a phone call. Whatever she has to do, she's definitely on your side. Other than leveraging you guys, what piece of advice would you give a new Legacy Club member or someone who is new to networking in general? Well, as far as Legacy Club, it would be to take advantage of the tools that we offer. So you get access to our social media platforms. You can post information about your business on those social media platforms. We have a perks page where you can offer your business or services at a discount to other members. We have a directory for anyone that wants to be included, and that has contact information. And then you have the power of our staff here, myself, Jamie, Ashley, Terry, Alex, JP, and Allison, we all work very hard at making sure that you connect with the people that will make your membership worthwhile. And, you know, that's the key. If we can make sure you get a client or two out of this deal where you're going to be a long-term client for us and you're going to tell other people about it, that's pretty much what's happened here. Yes, exactly. So a large part of my job is business development So I go to a lot of networking events. Some of them are stiff. Some of them are laid back. But I have to tell you, someone explained this to me. And until you see it in person, you can't fathom it. There's nothing like a Jersey Man event. There's fancy cars, cigars, amazing food. What is the goal with these events? Outside of making connections, what do you want people to take away from these events when they come as a guest or maybe someone that you invited? Yeah, pretty much exactly what you said. We have a tagline that we're a social club where business happens. And I think one of the reasons why we get uh, so many people attend our events, it's going to be a fun night. We're not going to make you sit through a long speech from some professional that you may or may not be interested in. 
I have to take the microphone for about five to eight minutes, thank our sponsors, recognize our chairman's club members, introduce the celebrities that are attending, and we give away a couple of nice door prizes. And that's pretty much it. The night is there for you to network in a really cool venue, have some nice food, maybe grab a cigar, look at a nice car, have a cocktail or two, and walk away with some business cards. So it's really something that's more akin to a party, and people really look forward to it. And Again, most of our events are sold out. Yeah, we always have them circled on the calendar on our events, and we always do get really excited for them. So you are an athlete, and most athletes have pregame rituals. Do you have a pregame ritual on the day of uh, Legacy Club events? So I got to tell you something. I've done hundreds of interviews in my athletic career with the magazine. This is probably the coolest question I've ever been asked, right? (laughs) I talked to Merrill Reese one time, the Eagles announcer, about his pregame ritual, and you know, like he takes a bath in the morning and meditates and then, you know, puts on his clothes in a certain way. And as far as what we do, really the day of our events are game days for us. So the staff gets in a little bit later that day because they know they're going to be working later that night. And then they'll leave very early. If the event starts at 530, they'll leave here about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go set up. So I'm pretty much in the office by myself, and I just I meditate a little bit. I think about what we're doing, what we want to accomplish as a business, who I could potentially help. I'll scan the guest list to make sure I'm aware of the people that I've invited, who's attending, who might be a good fit for me to introduce someone else to. And so there is a little pregame planning for that. But again, no one's ever asked me that question. That's a good one. <laughs> That's great to hear. So I was reading that you recently expanded with a franchise in Boston. Now you're located in Southern New Jersey and this is your baby. How difficult was it to let go of the reins a little bit and let someone else take the lead for you in a new market? Well, we created a company called USA Man Franchising because things are going so well down here. We figured we might as well take a shot at another market. So we invested some money into a new business and we selling franchises. Boston Man was launched about a year ago. To date, it's our only franchise, although we're talking to some other markets right now. And, you know, we basically gave them our playbook. We showed them how we did it. Actually, you know, they've got to jump on our success because we made a lot of mistakes along the way. Keep in mind, we didn't have Legacy Club for three years. We were just a magazine. Now, they don't have to print as many magazines as we did, but they have a Legacy Club for immediate income right away. So, Boston's off to a great start. They throw tremendous parties. I've been up to a couple of them. They've got a lot of celebrities up there. There's a lot of money in Boston. It's a very trendy market. And the uh, owner up there, Matt Roboto, who has some South Jersey ties, because that's where we met him. He's uh, very passionate about the project and kicking up the dust. And we hope that uh, Boston will be a big success and we can start some other venues across the country. So that's your plan for USA, man, to not take over the country, but be in major cities and metropolitans? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to take it one by one. We're going to grow slowly. Again, the same staff that runs Jersey Man and Philly Man runs USA, man, although it's a different partnership structure. But, you know, we can't grow too fast because we don't have the manpower to make sure the markets get the, the backup support that they would really need. I think we're ready to start another one. I think Boston's pretty much relatively self-sufficient right now, and then we can pour our manpower into 
what would you know preferably be a, a more local market like Baltimore. We're having some conversations with them. Memphis, where I went to college, there's some conversations down there. And you know, if we could grow one or two markets a year for the next 10 years and see this thing grow on a national level, that would be pretty fun. Yeah, it's very exciting to hear. And then my last question, what was your first job when you were younger? Boy, well, I just turned 62, so you're making me <laughs> go back in the archives. I do remember having a paper route uh, back when I was a kid, riding the bike and throwing the papers. I remember the hardest part of that job was getting the bundles of papers early in the morning and then having to put the rubber bands, you know, untie them and put the rubber bands around them and then load them in your bike and you had to be pretty good at throwing the paper right on the doorstep or people would complain. I uh, did a lot of odd jobs. I mean, you know, I've worked at a gas station. I worked at a supermarket stocking shelves. One of the hardest jobs I had was working in my dad's printing company. He gave me the hardest job in the plant in an unair conditioned part of it. And I, when I asked him why, he said, because I want you to know what you don't want to do for a living. And it was one of the best things he ever did for me. I realized the value of hard work and that I didn't necessarily, all work is honorable. I didn't necessarily want to work in a hot factory. I had higher goals for myself. So went to college, played ball, and, and now I'm the owner of a couple of businesses. So very proud of that. As you should be, Ken. So tell the people if they like what they hear today, where they can get in touch with you, where they can find the magazine or maybe join the Legacy Club. Sure. Well, first of all, they can call me. My cell number is 856-912-4007. My email is Ken at jerseymanmagazine.com. We also have two websites. If you go to jerseymanmagazine.com, you can see some stories uh, of the latest issue. And there's also Legacy Club and Gala information on there if you're interested. And then USA Man, if you in, have an interest in another market, usaman.com is a way for you to check that out. And if you log in and give me your email address for that, I'll send you the PowerPoint presentation on how you can own this business in your area. So several ways you can get in touch with us. Perfect. And where can people reach out to Terry for her delicious cookies? Yeah. I mean, she would, she'd love to hear from you. Terry Dunnick, T-E-R-R-I-D-U-N-E-K at jerseymanmagazine.com. And she does make a mean cookie. I'm trying not to eat them because I'm on a little bit of a diet here, but uh, I think it's too late. But yeah. She, that, she, that's does not some, <laughs> she does make some delicious treats for sure. All right. Thanks for joining us today, Ken. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Talk fun. to you soon. Bye-bye. So long. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If there are more topics you would like to hear about, you can email us at info at bluecollaryields.com. For more episodes, you can search Blue Collar Yields on Apple Podcasts.